This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper, my partner in being at home with our kids while they do online school, my partner in uh, running a podcast empire without Ronald, although we got uh, we got word from Ronald. We heard from him for the first time in like two weeks, and uh, he made a big announcement on our group chat, and uh, his big announcement was that he would be back on the program this week. I think he thought we had forgotten about him. Um, but nevertheless, he is uh, he is he is back with us supposedly. Do do you think he thought we forgot about him, or do you think he thought we were waiting for him? Ooh, I don't know, man. That's a that's an interesting distinction. Knowing Ronald, I think it's probably the latter, actually. Like because yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no tone of voice in yeah. text, so I'm reading into this entirely, and I'm doing so ungraciously because yeah. that's that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fairly certain the tone of that text was. It's okay, guys. Yeah. Boys, I'm back. We I'm can, back to can, salvage the life, podcast. Life can continue. Yeah, that's right. I'm back. I'm back to save it. Yeah. Daddy's back. Daddy's back. He's rested. Ready to give you another good week and a half before I leave again. <laughs> <laughs> before my next retreat Absolutely. or whatever. Absolutely. So we'll see uh, We'll see if and how that materializes this week, Piper. But I have, uh, I have some sad breaking sports news to get into before we get into... Uh, our listener questions. So we had a lot of sports-related listener questions. We're excited to dive into those. Uh, but my sad breaking news is that my Seattle Mariners, uh, who I've been enjoying watching on MLB TV, they've been getting, for the most part, slaughtered. But the the young guys are looking good, so I'm having having a lot of fun. We've had some good, even some good pitching performances from uh, some young guys. Justice Sheffield pitched a, a masterpiece the other night. That was fun to see. Uh, but also just a just a great name, yeah, dude. That's a great baseball. It really is a great baseball name. Also, like some fun interleague play. Like I caught Clayton Kershaw just destroying us the other night, and uh, I haven't I haven't watched a lot of Dodgers in in recent years, so it was fun to see him. Uh, that weird delivery, very effective against the Mariners uh, and other teams. But uh, Piper, we designated uh, my favorite fat guy and one of my favorite Mariners, Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, for assignment last week. Uh, and then this morning, I woke up to the news that he had been traded. Uh, so Vogie is leaving Seattle, uh, headed for Toronto uh, to play for the Blue Jays. He was just traded for cash considerations, Piper. So um, sad day for uh, Vogie fans everywhere, myself included. However, he had been on like a like an eight-month slump. So um, which which might just mean he can't hit a breaking ball or something. That could very well be, Pipe. So if, if you remember last year, like pre-All-Star break, Vogie had a torrid like first half of the season last year, and it was his first like full season in the in the big leagues. Uh, he was he was just jacking balls all over the place. And, um, you know, then the All-Star break happened. Then he went on a cold streak. Uh, it has continued through. COVID baseball and, uh, and Vogie is a Mariner no more. So sad, sad day, uh, for those of us in, in Mariner nation. And, uh, we wish Vogie well as he, uh, as he travels to Toronto, but Piper, we have, uh, we have bigger issues to address. Um, we have some probing questions from our listeners. Uh, how do we want to do this? What's the format? I think, um, well, you don't know any of these questions because you are Twitterless Ted Clark. Um, and I haven't, I, I only noticed that they existed. I haven't really read through right, them and thought about them. So I think we just put them on we just put them on the tee. Yep. Uh we sort of do like a pardon the interruption where we just like take them for a couple minutes each. If you know, obviously we're not beholden to that. We can right. ramble for as long as we'd like, and then we just we just roll through them until until we're it's done. It's our program, baby. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. yeah. We're the we're the bosses Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And that's true of so few things in life anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? In fact, Piper, I think this might be the only thing that I feel like absolute control over, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I was uh, just right before getting on. I was in an argument with my with one of my daughters, and you know, not even remotely in control. There, I'm the parent, yeah. definitely not in control. So, uh, yeah, this feels this feels like one of those safe places where we can pretend to be the lords of our this realm. This is our safe place. That's what it's come to, Piper. Yes. Oh man. Well, let's uh, let's get into these. Start start throwing them out. All right, you're going to love this first okay. one. It's a great question. Um, 
and it, really well reasoned. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard for somebody to reason something out well in in Twitter Dude, world. We have but a thoughtful tan- fan base. We really do. Yes, These are smart they, people. Creative questions, and then this, but this one just it, the, it's it's seeking to persuade you mm. particularly of something. Mm. So here we go, Tanner Mill. Yeah poses this wonderful question. He says, I don't understand Ted's hatred of the Titans. Ooh. And then this, here is his argument. So he is, he is uh, pleading this defense, and you then need to make your rebuttal. Uh, they made the AFC Championship playing smash-mouth football, and their team leader is an edgy old lineman from Michigan with beautiful locks of hair at times. Wow. So true. this is Tanner's very succinct yeah. Uh, plea to you mm-hmm. to explain yourself and your hatred of the Titans. Okay, Pipe. It's it's high time. You know, I'm, I'm talking like I'm in a Western. Because I, I ordered a Western novel uh, because of our last podcast. You you talked for a couple of minutes about Westerns, so I, uh, I actually ordered one. Uh, but it, it's high time I address this, Pipe, because um, I don't want to turn the the beautiful residents of the state of Tennessee against me. And I wanna I wanna nuance this thing. It's okay, only eleven of them are Titans. <laughs> exactly. This thing deserves some nuance though, because I think I've been I've been misunderstood on this program in that I do not hate the Titans. Um here's the thing. I love Taylor Luan, the left tackle from Michigan, with the great tattoos, the great O line swag, uh the flowing locks, host of a great podcast himself, like I'm all in. I'm a- and he's got yeah, he's got that strong like 80s and 90s just dirty offensive Dirt lineman pack, thing where he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna kick that dude in the side of the knee when no one's looking. I'm gonna bite that Absolutely. guy. Like, he's a little crazy. Yeah, total O line dirtbag. That's my wheelhouse. Uh, I, I love Taylor Luan, huge Luan guy, huge Smash Mouth guy. So yeah, the aesthetics of how they played last year, the big back running the ball more, like it 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 all really appealed to me. My issue with the Titans, Piper, and it's it's weird. It all comes down to the uniform. I think it's just hideous. I was thinking the same thing because I was reading through this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there, there's a lot. Like, I mean, obviously, I wish they had a star quarterback because that makes right, football dude, more but fun. But like, they I, they were a good team. They last were a good team, and they're they're so likable. Like, they have guys that it's easy to like. AJ Brown, uh, yeah, the Derrick Henry. I mean. The list goes on and on of of guys. I don't think they have anybody on their team who's just like an outright douche. Yeah, yeah, the kind of guy you're like, oh, I have, to I have to, I have to watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they don't have anybody like that. Honestly, it it comes down to Nashville. Just doesn't feel like an NFL city to me. So I think that's in there in the ether somewhere. But like, it's it's mostly the uniform, and I flip it on, and I'm just like, oh. That that again, right? Like, yeah, it's if I was thinking about it because I was like, if if you took everything that was true about the Titans in in coaching and defense yeah. and style, Braves, and I love it, Braves. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if you put that in the Miami Dolphins uniform, right. or you put it in the the Las Vegas Raiders, which feels funny to say, yeah. or the Chargers, yeah. like picking some of these teams that haven't been wildly successful. Yeah. But you know yeah. they have potential. All of a sudden, those are really fun teams. Absolutely, I'd be ecstatic to watch any of those teams if they brought all those attributes to the table. Because all of them have cool uniforms. Exactly, dude. The Raiders have and an cool amazing uniform. The Chargers. Like, there's a vibe to those yes, teams. Dude. And the thing is, none of them have great follow. Like the, when they were the Oakland Raiders, they had a they had a great loyal yeah. fan base. But they were at least kind of like tough and cool. Yeah. We have the United States postal workers uniforms yes. mixed with like a cartoon logo, yeah. which is a bad carryover from the Houston Oilers. By the way, when it was the Houston Gorgeous Oilers uniform, beauty, it was dude. pretty cool. Beauty, yeah. dude. They Absolute just like beauty. Took, took the same color scheme and like mucked it up. Yeah. And they play in the worst stadium. It's a terrible like, There's not a stadium. worse stadium in the NFL. Yeah, it's a terrible it's, stadium. Nissan Stadium is a dump. It's a big concrete dump. And so there's just there's nothing cool about no. them, and so they're fighting an uphill battle, despite everything uh, that was in that tweet being true. Yeah, Nissan is like, you know, there's a lot of stadiums about which you say there's not a bad seat in the house. Nissan yes. is mostly bad seats. It really yeah. is, unless you spend a small fortune to like 
get down in the lower bowl, which we've done a couple of times, and those those are nice seats. But like, if you're in that upper deck anywhere, it's like watching it on TV from from like the other side of your house. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's ridiculous, and it's so not worth it. Well, and it's and and even the even the good seats, like yes, you have a good view. Mm-hmm. But everything else about the experience is bad. Right, dude. They've, it's, it's it's nonsensical, it, like a, a nonsensical mascot situation. Yeah, they've got like they've got like a, American gladiators, and then riding out in a unicorn chariot, right. and then you know, and then they have like some fake chubby Garth Brooks singing the rules of the game beforehand. We we've covered all this in previous. We episodes. have. We don't need to. It honestly, that. it reminds but, me of something that. Oliver Stone would have come up with in his crappy like 1999 movie Any Given Sunday that was that was yes. like a parody of NFL football in a lot of ways or or yeah or or like a Mel Brooks movie yeah, exactly. it's so bad you're like oh this is like if they're making fun this of this is a parody NFL. of a bloated yeah. like overdone NFL franchise for sure for sure and i think what makes it worse is that they you know Nashville is cut in half by the Cumberland River Nissan Stadium sits on one bank. Downtown Nashville sits on the other yep. bank. If you go either direction from Nissan Stadium, one, you go into East Nashville, and it's all like artsy, cool, hipster stuff, cool restaurants, music, whatever. You go the other way, you go into downtown, and it's like the honky-tonks and the live. It's sort of like the Las Vegas Yeah, strip. dude, it's Broadway. And, it's all the like... And then there's like the Ryman and Music Row and all the cool... Like Everything cool about Nashville surrounds this utter dump <laughs> and a poorly branded team. Yeah. And there is no excuse for it. Nothing else in Nashville is poorly branded. That's true, dude. Except our football team. Nashville is the branding capital of the world. Even, like, every church is branded impeccably in Nashville. Yes, every individual is branded. That's why we have murals on every wall where, like, Ronnie can take more engagement. Seriously. It's like, literally pick any narcissist, which of which there are literal millions in Nashville. Pick any narcissist, put them in charge of the Titans. They do a better job. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they would all be like it, their logo would be like a, a fedora and a romper, but still, <laughs> a like romper, dude. It, at least it would be an identity. Absolutely, it would be. Honestly, and we've said this on a previous podcast, so we'll we'll move off this topic soon. They should put Taylor Luan in charge of branding the Titans. Luan has like impeccably Lu- branded himself. Like no lineman in the last 20 years has done a better job of branding than than Luan. Like put him and in charge. Do you know? Do you know how well that would resonate with like all of the overcompensating big truck, oh. you know, mud flap driving yeah, dude. people who, you know, with like the the salt life stickers on their <laughs> trucks and stuff? Like Taylor Lewan would have he would build a fan base in like seven well, minutes. Well, dude, that's the just, brilliant just thing. by being himself. Yeah, the brilliant thing about Luan is that he would capture that guy that you just described, but he would also capture all the like Broadway douche party boy types too, and uh, like there, there's nobody that doesn't like Taylor Lewan except opposing fan bases. Um, I don't know. To me, that's a slam dunk. But uh, and and even I want to say this too: some of my favorite players in NFL history have played on the Titans, like Eddie George, one of my all-time favorite running backs. Um, Bruce Matthews, one of my all-time favorite guards. Yeah. Like they have a rich history. They've Steve McNair, dude. Yeah, Steve McNair. They've had some great players over the years. Some Javon Curse, yeah, the freak. the freak dude. They've had fun guys to root for. I'm even kind of a. This is going to not resonate, but from a personality standpoint, just because I've heard him on some podcasts and stuff, I'm even kind of a Jeff Fisher guy now. Like late in 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 terms of the guy's a good storyteller. You know he. Oh, <laughs> Jeff Jeff Fisher is a way better dude yeah. than he was a coach. Exactly, dude. So Jeff Fisher... And the God. reason he wasn't a good coach is because he was such a good dude. He's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, man, yeah. let's have a beer. Let's tell some stories. And you're like, that's Exceedingly a fun guy, fun to, hang guy out to, with. to hang out with. Not quite crazy enough to be a good exactly. coach. Exactly. Yeah, he wasn't like sleeping on his cot at four in the morning in the in the facility, you know? Not like we are with this podcast. Yeah, that's... Yeah. 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 It's our commitment to you fans we sleep in the studio commitment to excellence we um, slap that banner in the studio on the way on the way in yeah. and out every time it's uh podcast like a champion today that's the deal dude that's the deal all right next question yeah. going going a different direction here but another great question this is from trevor hogg Trev. which is also by the way that i would like trevor hogg to play left guard for oh the absolutely Titans, um just by the name 
Um, all right. What are your personal favorite broadcast calls of all time? Ooh. So not just broadcasters, but like a call of a specific event. Yeah. I'm going to let you take this one first, Pipe, because I feel like you're, you're probably a little more conversant in this than I am. And it's going to take me a second so, to think. I have one that I love, love, yeah. and then one that I hate, love. Okay, dude, lay them um, on me. Both of them involve my t- two of my favorite teams. Okay. One, the first is the Minnesota Twins, and it was oh, ironically, the broadcasters are related to one another. Uh-huh. Um, the first is Jack Buck's call to close out Game Six of the 1991 World Series. Mm. So Kirby Puckett is up. Charlie Liebrandt hangs a changeup. Kirby Puckett blasted into the left field seats in the eleventh inning, uh-huh. and Buck's call is just, "And we'll see you tomorrow night." Oh, solid. And and then just like silence while Homer Hankies are waving, and they they just about blow the roof off of the metronome. I love it, man. So it's just, and we'll see you tomorrow night. And then, of course, they come back the next night, and Jack Morris pitches the ten inning, uh, t- pitches ten innings, and, and closes out the series. Amazing. And uh, so that call is my love, love call. Mm-hmm. The other one is his delightful son, Joe, who I've actually come to respect more in recent yeah. years, but for a long time I couldn't stand. So there was a uh, there was a game, Vikings versus Packers, um, where Randy Moss scores a touchdown and then turns around and fake moons the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He fakes it. He does his, his clothes are entirely yeah. on. His backside is not exposed, yeah. but he bends over and and mimes mooning the crowd, and Joe Buck loses his mind. This is abhorrent. This is a uh-huh. disgusting act. Uh-huh. You know, It's like Twitter before Twitter yeah. kind of thing where you just rage about everything. Well, it turns out Randy Moss was making fun of the fans because the fans do actually moon opposing players. Do they really? The buses. Oh, shocker, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah drunk, drunk Wisconsinites yeah. showing off their posteriors is <laughs> big news. Um, and and so he was just sort of miming them, sort of yeah. a getting them back kind of thing, yeah. which is kind of the perfect way for a rivalry to work. It's funny. Players it's funny are like poking at the fan. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, Randy Moss owned the Packers. Right. Like there was a couple years of the Packers – their entire draft was built around stopping him. They would draft three and four defensive backs who were like six two. They're like, we just yeah. need more of these big guys because maybe we can stop him. Right. Didn't work. He destroyed them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Buck's call though uh-huh. was just he lost his mind and he was so self righteous and yeah. what a heinous act and and uh, and I I kind of hate love it. Yeah, dude, totally. And it's, then it's so it's 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 a, it's a fun one to be annoyed. It's at. one of those calls that like. If he had made that in the Twitter era, like he would have gotten slaughtered the next morning. Um, and, and it's one of those things that speaks to like how seriously should we take sports? Like, does sports have the like sanctity kind of halo around it that that the the Costas and the Buck types maybe would want it to have? And or or is sports there for fun? Which is a, I mean, it's a big debate now. Honestly, like you know, do you do you use sports to like solve all the world's problems, or is it just a guy throwing a ball through a hoop? Um, that's not for us to say, Piper, because we will get slaughtered if we have a take on that. But um, yeah, no take. Yeah, nevertheless, I think for me, my favorite broadcast calls were any any Monday Night Football games that had Frank Gifford, Al Michaels, and Dan Deardorff. Like for me, that was the last great Monday Night booth. That may have been the last good Monday Night booth. Um, yeah. Like that that hit like really the wheelhouse of my childhood up through like my mid twenties, which I would say was the era where I really cared about football as a fan. Um, and it was just a great sound, dude. It was, it was a great sound. It was back when Monday night football had like the epic matchup of the week. So there were good games, you know, better than this dreck that ESPN is rolling out. Like these announcer teams. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night is the new prime. Sunday time. night's the so new. Sunday Monday night is night. always the best yeah, game. Yeah. Monday night is like the leftover, and they can't adjust the schedule. So it's yeah. like, well, we think the Browns might be good this year right. for the fourteenth straight season. Right, right, right. So then we watch Baker Mayfield go eleven for thirty four, and so. yeah, you get like Brown Steelers, and it's like Duck Hodges versus you know uh, an ineffective Baker Mayfield. Both teams are like you know, four and 11. Um, yeah. Supposed to be a battle for AFC North supremacy. And instead it's like, yeah. well, I'm going to turn that on and go get some work. Dude, done. that was the perfect booth though, because you had Al Michaels, who was like the consummate broadcaster, amazing voice, 
Um, Frank Gifford, who had played in the league, but like a million years ago, but he was just like an icon, you know, incredibly good looking guy, charismatic. Um, And then Deerdorf, who was like more recent lineman in the league, also a legend though, like also an incredible player. So you had two legendary Deerdorf have a bit of a pardon me if this yeah. is offensive but didn't he have a bit of a speech impediment too, yeah where like when he would get real worked up like he had, he had a little bit of like he sounded like he was spitting a yeah, lot yeah sounded like, like he was spitting yeah kind of just a regular guy um but but a really good a really good broadcaster like he had really good insights on the game and i don't know to me that booth just worked you know it just worked great Hopefully none of those guys have been canceled and none of them are the worst. I don't know. Um, but but to me, that was that was kind of Apex Mountain for good broadcast teams. Yeah, that's those are good ones. I will I'll add I'll add one more in here. Yeah. Um which is any baseball game that John Miller called. Oh yeah, dude. John Miller. So John Pro. John Miller, I think he I think he called games for the uh Giants. Mm-hmm. Like that was his home team, but then he did all like ESPN radio and mm-hmm. or I think he does TV. But just he's one of the few remaining broadcasters who sounds like baseball is supposed to sound totally. like. And that's important. He doesn't sound like he's imitating yeah. it. He like he is sort of the ethos of the environment of radio baseball. That stuff is really important to me. Just for the maintenance of a certain kind of aesthetic from generation to generation. And I think football has all but lost it. You know, although although the the Aikman Buck booth, I mean we can say what we want about those guys, but yeah. it does sound right. You know, it sound it sounds well, like a and like a pro football. Tony game. Romo doesn't sound quite right, yeah. but he's so good at breaking the game down yeah. that like it's he he adds something to the experience. Totally. Yeah, there's some hope for the future there for sure. But you know, not not on Monday Night Football. Who's the new Monday Night Booth? It was a bunch of like meh people. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Like I think there was nobody. I I think Booger McFarlane's still involved. I can't. remember. <laughs> the fact that we can't remember and don't care, I think, tells you all you need to know about where Monday Night totally, Football is going. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Good job, yes. Exactly. Um. <clears throat> all right. This one is more aimed at me. Uh-huh. Um. It, it asks, does my dad follow any sports? <laughs> um, the short answer is no. He does not follow any sports. He does enjoy watching sporting events. And I, he will surprise me occasionally with his awareness yeah. of, of how a team is doing, especially like the Vikings, because there's only 16 games in a season, yeah. and they only happen once a week. It's a little bit easier for him to kind of – keep track yeah. you got a whole week to keep up with what's happening the twins it's like what there's seven games a week it's tough right. um and i don't think he cares much about basketball as as a sport to follow although he you know he enjoys watching like the you know, march madness and things like yeah. that so yeah. no he doesn't follow sports he devotes his time to other things but he has always been a sports fan from the perspective of loving competition and loving sports and back before he was 74 years old uh, love to play as well. So he he was Dude, really we had we oh yeah we the number of times somebody in my family was sent to the urgent care for stitches Amazing. or for X rays or for something and he was in the middle of a lot of it. <laughs> I sent him I sent him to the urgent care oh. at least twice, maybe three times. Dude, stitches or broken bones? Uh, stitches. Although I almost broke his nose one okay. time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now he broke his own finger playing basketball and stuff like yeah. that. Um, no, I. I caught him with an elbow twice, yeah. and then I think I kicked a soccer ball into his face one Dude, time. Dude, real, so, real quick, man. What was his play style? Can we get like football and basketball comps for John Piper? Yeah, so basketball, he's going to be like a uh, – oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of a good example. Scotty Skiles. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good one. I was like, who is the like not – Overly skilled, scrappy, but like earnest, serious, scrappy, real intense. Yeah, yeah, like, but mostly gets mad at himself. Yeah, yells a lot, but not like yelling. He yells encouragement to his teammates and yells derogatory statements about his own failures. Dude, but he's d yeah, you up, dude. Every trip down the floor, you're getting d'd up. Not. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like three quarters court. He wasn't a slap the floor guy. None <laughs> of that Duke basketball nonsense. Yeah. But like up in your shirt. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, a lot of a lot of slapping, uh-huh. a lot of hand slapping. Yeah. You know, yeah. like swiping at the ball and stuff. Ugh, I hate those. Guys. And heart 
hard to the hoop yeah. every time. Really? Never, like, no jumper. Okay. Couldn't shoot. No no jumper, but like. He's just going to the rack, dude. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, big big on team basketball, uh-huh. move the ball. Uh-huh. Uh, football, he's going to be like a, like a Julian Edelman. Yep. We're just, he's a little bit undersized. Mm-hmm. But sneaky athletic, <laughs> like he used to. He used to be like a gymnast back in the day. What? Not not like a leotard wearing guy, yeah. but like there there are like old family movies of him doing all these flips and handsprings and stuff, especially on trampolines. So he was just a spry yeah. little guy, man. Just yeah. going. For he it. was like five, five eight, yeah. one sixty, and just yeah, wiry. And uh, yeah, he nobody ever yelled at me more for not hustling. Yeah. than he did. Yeah. That's he's that guy. Yep. Like. You you hit a squiver of a ground ball down the third baseline. You <laughs> better bust your behind to first yeah. base, or Dad's going to be all over you. So That's phenomenal, um, dude. Yeah, he was he was a go hard all the time to the point where if you were an opponent, you were like, "This guy is annoying." Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that was him. Yeah, no no like trips down the floor off. You know, sometimes you'll be playing pickup with a guy who's cool, and you'll just kind of be like, "Yeah, let's let's take this one off. Let's catch our breath." Not with not with John yeah, Piper and, on the floor. And and yeah, like in basketball today, if somebody's going to dribble down and then pull up from three feet behind the arc, uh-huh. like he would have none of that. Yeah. That's laziness. Yep. yep. Um. Yeah. So there's picture picture like John Havlicek era basketball, but like frothing at the mouth. I love it. That man. was kind of. I love it. That makes me happy. All right. This one kind of combines sports with um. <clears throat> With uh, famous pastors, okay, which is you know two of our favorite subjects. Absolutely. So this is from Nolan Hostetler. Um, Do we know Nolan? Nolan has been a, a a longtime patron of the Happy Rant. He, uh, yeah. I feel like he hooked us up with hotel rooms at our last live show, which was like twenty five years ago. Yeah, I think he. I don't know that we were able to, or was it that he was going to, and then we had to cancel it? I can't. No, remember. he totally did. This was ago. the one. Okay. This is the one in Indy. Yes, and I met him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. he he like works for Hyatt or or. Marriott or some hotel chain. One of those, yeah, one of those hotel kind of conglomerates. conglomerates. And he I, he met my lady and I in the lobby. And uh, nice nice okay. dude, man. Good good kid. Any relation to Jeff Hostel? Uh, sadly, the, no. Uh, I don't think so. Former Mustachio Giants, you know, ball control quarterback, game manager. Yeah. Consummate game manager, Jeff Hostetler. Um, consummate hotel manager, Nolan Hostetler. Um, Let's get into his question. I bet Nolan's better at his job than Jeff <laughs> was at his job. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. <clears throat> so his question is, and this is a broad sweeping question, so we're going to have to suss out how to do yeah. this. Using the Moneyball method, mm-hmm. assemble a baseball team of only reform dudes. Ooh. Okay. So I don't know that we need to go nine deep. Let's yeah. just pick like... Let's pick a few. A, you a know, handful. a couple starters and a couple... So Moneyball method means... Undervalued like, guys. The Yeah. What are the undervalued things, the things that they excel at yeah. that are not appreciated, but that are actually valuable as opposed to what is, you or, know, kind of the big money teams think are valuable? Yeah, guys that don't have all um, the tools, but they have certain tools that when you put them together, they can they can excel kind of in the aggregate. Um, yeah, and the ones that are like, well, that that is way – like so Moneyball, the big one there was on-base percentage. Yeah. Everybody wanted batting average or whatever, and they're like, yeah, but if a guy is on base, on base. 43% of the time, yeah. that's way more valuable – than hitting 300 on all singles or something like that. So I've got one for uh, the pipe. I've got I've got okay. a player to put on the board, man, just to get us kicked off. And uh, I'm I'm going here. I think you're going to understand my thinking from a Moneyball standpoint. Sheer volume of books at Jared C. Wilson. They don't sell pipe. They don't sell more than three or four thousand copies a piece. <laughs> but if we're if you're pumping out four of them a year, you've sold dang near twenty thousand books. Okay. So uh, yeah. So at Jared C. Wilson, he's like a he's like a single sitter. You know, takes a lot of walks. He's he is the Scott Hatterberg. He's the Hattie dude. The he's original the money. Ball. He can't throw the ball anymore. He can't throw from like home plate to second base. But doggone it, he gets on kind base. Of, yeah, kind of positionless, yeah. but yeah, just metronome like consistency yeah. in production. Not going to scare you getting off the bus, dude. You know, he's not the other. Not a not a traditional. Yeah, not streaky right. either. Like it's not like he's going to go long periods of time with just nothing. He's doing four There's books like, a year. You know, yeah. It, uh, that's yeah, four books a year. When was the last time he only did four books a year? Is the question. Exactly, dude. All right, so Jared C. Jared C. Provides that. I think. Um, oh, let's see. I think. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a name, and this is this is this is one of those like I'm familiar with this guy, yeah. so I I bring an advantage to the table, yeah. and it's the pastor who has now replaced Ray Ortland. So Ray Ortland, massive production superstar, yeah. um, the kind of guy everybody wants on their team, but kind of undervalued because he you know he didn't write four books Dude, a year. So Ortland um, in the in the Moneyball context, he was like the Giambi who you just lost. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah so. And and so TJ Timms okay. is the replacement who is has all of the skills yep. and and just hasn't had a chance to produce yet. Mm. He has written no books. Interesting. He has he has been a, a lead pastor for only uh well, what now? I guess almost a year coming up on He's gonna write books though, dude. Because how many how many seats do you guys fill? Like he's he's got platform. Well, potential. I don't know anymore. Well, yeah, anymore. Uh, no one's. We were anything. we were pushing we were pushing a thousand. <laughs> yeah. um, no, prior to COVID, and you know, and he he uh, he has gotten his doctorate yep. from from Aberdeen. Oh. So not only doctorate, but from a school in Scotland, oh. which is the same one that Ray Orland got his doctorate. Dude, the Scottish doctorate? Are you kidding me? This guy's a so, he's a five tool player. We might lose him. Yeah. He's he's only thirty seven. Solid dude. Dude, describe his um, look for me. Does he have that kind of like requisite Nashville male model hipster kind of thing going on? No, because he's he's uh he's much more I'd say like academic clean cut. Yeah. So a lot of like blazers with jeans. Dude, I'm gonna have a look at um, right now, man. I, could, I, I think that's what he preached now. in yesterday at the time we're recording this. He's in the winter, he wears that like that. Like, what do they call it? like the London Fog kind of coat yeah. that hits it like mid thigh, sort of yep. like a longer pea coat kind of thing. Um, wears a gray suit most of the time yeah. because. And I asked him, I was like, "Why gray suit?" He's like, "Because it matches everything, and I don't have to think about it." Um, generally bearded, but like nicely trimmed beard, not like big Nashville big backwoods yeah, beard. Yeah. And then just yeah, like professionally combed hair so not like a high tight fade so n- very little about his look that's dude like, I'm, I'm i'm making a bold statement it's much more like i'm a reliable adult. i'm looking at him right now pipe you know what he has going for him in droves and this is going to help him dude this is going to give him like longevity in the book selling business in addition to the scotland um doctorate he's boyish dude he's got a boyish face so even when he's like 61 he's going to look like spry you know what I mean? Yeah, that's big. Like that's a that's a yeah, big attribute. I, so I I think he's the yeah he's sort of like the the guy who gets called up from the minors at like twenty four yeah who but but who has absolutely destroyed AAA yeah. to the two like there just wasn't a place to put him. It was like when uh, it was like when the Phillies had Jim Tomey and Ryan Howard yeah. and they're like well we can't figure out what to do with both because we don't have the DH yep so they traded Tomey and then moved Howard up at like 24, 25 yeah. and he went on a tear for like five straight years. Yeah. Now I anticipate Dr. Tim's having a longer career than Ryan Howard did, yeah. but, uh, so he would, he would be one of mine as like the, the sleeper candidate who's about to just destroy the league and nobody knows it's solid dude. That's a, that's a good pick. Um, I think we need one more and it needs to compare favorably to a pitcher. So, uh-huh. so the new money wall, <clears throat> yeah. I think the undervalued thing is spin rate. Yeah. So, you find these relievers who are like they, they they have some decent stuff, but they're not great. But their pitching coach is like, guess what? If you throw your slider eighty percent of the time, uh, you're going to be good. I think I got and one, so dude. They, and okay, I, I, I want us to both draft one though, because I don't want to step on your on your answer. Because okay. I bet you got a good one too. If if we're talking spin rate, and if we're talking just volume of like branding, I'm going Ron Martin. I'm going in house. I'm taking the boy because the number of tweets that have been pumping out of that guy lately and like his Yoda work and him just doubling down on it. um, He's going for it, man. I think Ron's like he's throwing that slider 80 percent of the time. Yes. See, I I like that because he's also um, kind of a late career riser. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Kind of. He's like a pitcher a that discovers bit, a new pitch like in his 30s. He's a little bit like R.A. Dickey. Yeah. Remember R.A. Dickey? Yeah. Who was like, a, he was kind of hot prospect, yeah. you know, power pitcher, blew out his arm. Went away for a little while. Disappeared. Yeah. 
then came back with an unhittable knuckleball and just had this incredible run yeah. for a, for about five it's years. It's like you're not even sure he pitches anymore. It's like all he does is branding. But uh Yes. Yeah, we're we're not even certain Ronald Pastors anymore. But uh but he's uh, I think oh man, that's he's good. tweeting like a madman. So okay, mine is Ron Martin. Do you do you have a picture? I, I well, I think yours is so good on that. I'm going to go a different direction okay. and be like, which which of these guys do we think is really good, but he's actually the Houston Astros, <laughs> and somebody's like hitting the garbage can for him, and you're like, wait a minute, oh, he's cheating. That's at this. fascinating. Ah, uh, so who's the reformed like the reformed, not as good as not as good as we think they are guy. That's a that's a great probing question. Mm. Um, this is a good. This is a big one. Because yeah, um, we're about to insult. Absolutely, somebody, so. that makes it fun. Not as good as they think they are, or we think they are. Now, to be clear, I don't want this to be like we're predicting a moral failure. No, 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 no. When the spotlight comes on them and things are exposed, you're like, yeah. oh, they're not, in fact, an MVP caliber player, <clears throat> Jose Altuve. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. let's see. Um, Who would that be for us, dude? It can't be any of the old guys, because they're proven. So, it's yeah, got to be kind of a younger guy. Um, like, it hasn't quite lived up to the hype. Or or has, but then they get like so Driscoll would have been the perfect thing for this. Sure, but like, that's already happened. You know. Right. But it's sort of the perfect like, man, look at that guy. And then like you, you find out that behind the scenes you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Methodology wasn't awesome. Yeah. Um Dude, I got a, I got kind of a weird one for this. But I want to hear yours. Um do you have one? Like teed up? I don't have one teed up <clears throat> because because I don't want to predict failures, but I'm kind of chewing on it, thinking about thinking about who it might be. Dude, mine is related to an, a, a player who's already on our roster, and uh, okay, it's Matty Chan. Like, okay, what has he done lately? You know what what's what's been the recent like big Matty Chan book? You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm sure he's still main staging and all that. You mean the ones that Jared C writes? That's what I'm saying, dude. Like Jared C <laughs> is the guy behind the guy behind the guy in terms of Matty Chan. Jared C is hitting the garbage. He's can. hitting the garbage can for Matty Chan, is what I'm trying to say. And you you said it perfectly. Man, there I, it is. I said my piece. Right. Dude. Yeah. 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 I I think this. Yeah. We this, like the garbage can is the ghostwriter. Yep. Granted, Jared C's not a true ghostwriter because he thinks that's not great, and also his name is on the books. But like, yeah. he's, he's the, the he's the one who's them. making them work. Yeah, yeah. So let's yeah call it what it is. Yep, I think I think that's a uh, I think that's a good call. Yeah. All right, so um, I think we'll just land this one there. I don't want to do a nine person team. That <laughs> exactly. That was a I'm great question, though. It was a really good question. Really, yeah. Uh, way to go, Nolan Jeff Hostetler. Um, all right, next one. This is from David Oreskovich, okay. who has a picture of his his uh, his avatar is Charlie Sheen from Major League. Solid so, dude, I love uh, with the glasses and everything. Yeah. So yeah, strong strong picture there too. Just ask very simply, what is the best sporting event or game that you attended or played in? Oh, sporting event or game you've attended or played in, dude. Okay, so I have. I have one for each category, and they both involve the same building. Uh, the building is the Hoosier Dome. Rest in peace. Got torn down a few years ago when the Colts moved to Lucas Oil Stadium. But uh, many of my great childhood memories took place there because my my pops, dude, my dad, shout out my pops, would take me to a Colts game every year. You know, sometimes it was a preseason game, sometimes it was regular season, but one year from like a coworker, he scored us Monday night football tickets. And it was right after the Colts got Dickerson or like shortly after they got Dickerson and they were playing the Broncos on Monday night. So we got to see John Elway, got to see Eric Dickerson, of course. And uh, it, it was a blast, dude, to, to drive down at night for like a primetime game with my pops. Um, great memories of, of just games with him at the Hoosier Dome. We would always do it the same way. So... He and I were were like freaks about arriving early. We would be like the first one through the turnstile. <laughs> Dude, we would go down. It, it was back in the day before everything was electronic. So like the ushers would just let us like go down to the front row to watch warm-ups. So we would stay down there for as long as we could, watch warm-ups. Um, and yeah, just over the years, man, got to see some legends that way. We saw... And how old did you say you were? Uh, this would have been like probably fifth grade. I think I was in fifth or okay. sixth when the Colts got oh, Dickerson. Oh, man. That's like, oh. that's like the front end of the sweet spot. I feel yeah, like... Yeah, dude. 
10, 11 through about 15 or 16 is like the sweet spot for just the the best sports because you care at that age you care yes. deeply you're like dreaming about going to the nfl yourself just a magical time dude and monday night football the hoosier dome was actually okay so since we're talking about stadiums it was one of those great venues in which there really were no bad seats so i think it sat it was pretty small it sat like 55 or sixty thousand, and just the way the seats were laid out you weren't a mile high in the air if you were in the upper deck um, so all the seats were pretty good, man. Sometimes we sat up high. A couple times we sat down lower. Um, it was just a great, great venue. It got really loud. Um, when, when the Colts were doing well, the fans got really passionate. It was an awesome place to see games. And, uh, the other part of that category though. So I actually played there my junior year in high school. Um, we got to play every team in my conference, got to play a game in the Hoosier dome. And, uh, we played against a team called the Alexandria Tigers, uh, and they had a running back who was like supposedly going to Penn State. And um, there was a play in which I was playing outside linebacker. I was a junior. This kid, like they ran a toss to my side and I just like blew my guy up and like flashed into the backfield and wrecked this uh, this Penn State headed running back, supposedly. And uh, it was a great moment. And I got up and I like threw my arms in the air and the newspaper took a picture and that picture was like the the cover shot of the newspaper the next morning. Nice. It was kind of like a like a dream come true as a small town high school athlete, you know, just to have that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cuz you you're in a, you're in the the big venue. Yeah, dude, big, big game, venue. Playing great play against it. Uh probably overhyped, but yeah. you know, in high school that's just all the more reason to go destroy that guy. Dude, I was so excited for that game. I hyperventilated pregame and like puked my guts out in the locker room. And I was a that would happen to me frequently. I was a I was a huge nerves guy pregame but it was like doubled because we were in the in yeah. the hoosier dome great great times man just a great day all the way around man that sounds yeah that's i just the the age of you know fifth grade to height like junior in high school is yeah. so yeah those those are peak sports For years sure. my my best sports attendance and sporting events played in uh happened during the same the same, same age range for me. So the best one I attended was, and I've, I think I've talked about this on here before, but when I was uh, 14, my the publicist at the publishing company, who Multnomah at the time, which is now Waterbrook Multnomah, um, that my dad published a lot of his books for, he was a former Packers player. Okay. And so Dude, who he was had it? to hook up Kent somebody okay. or other, Keith somebody. I don't yeah. know. His name started with a K. Yeah. I was 14. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, all I know is that he... He got us tickets to a Monday Night Football game at Lambeau Field. Uh-huh. We then flew up there on like a little six-seater plane, nice. so out of this little janky airport. Yeah, um, and went to Tony Roma's beforehand with him and a couple other former Packers players. It was all linemen, yeah, so yeah. guys you would certainly know, yeah. and I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then went to the game, and it was the game when. So the Packers were coming off of a Super Bowl winning year, I believe. Uh-huh. The Vikings were they you know they'd signed Randall Cunningham. It was Randy Moss's rookie year. Mm. The Packers had something like a 36 or 38 game home winning streak. Like they were just untouchable for years yeah. far at Lambeau. And the Vikings just beat the brakes off. Of oh. Um it was you know it was like Moss's big breakout. Yeah. I think he had something like 3 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> nice. or something like that. And uh you know I was one of 16 Vikings fans in the whole stadium. Yeah. And I think my dad was very nervous that we were not going to make it out of there alive I bet he was. because I was a very excited Vikings uh-huh. fan. Uh-huh. Um and oh it was just a and it was pouring rain outside but we were sitting up in like the club seats. Yeah. So uh we were dry. While while the Vikings just just destroyed them, um, and it was, it was an October game, so it had to be like game five or six of the season, um, which the Vikings went on to go fifteen and one, wow. and, which then led to the most heartbreaking sports moment oh my gosh, of my life in the yeah. NFC Championship yeah. game. But that was that was the most fun in person viewing experience. The most fun playing I peaked early uh-huh. uh, was the was sixth grade okay man sixth grade the so i played i played city league football uh-huh. you know there's a whole bunch of like city teams usually usually at parks yeah you know that's that's the way minneapolis organizes yeah it. 
And uh, so I played for one of the big South Minneapolis parks called Pearl Park. Uh-huh. And we had enough junior high players that they had two teams. Uh-huh. And we were the two best teams in the league. Wow. So, um, you know, we we ran the table in our in our respective schedules and met them in the championship game. And we lost in triple overtime. Oh. And it sucked so bad. But <laughs> I don't remember ever playing another game in my life where it was just like you lived play to play yeah. and and gave everything. Mm. I just, you know, like had nothing left at the end of yeah. the game. I played center. Yeah. And because uh, I was a short squat kid, uh-huh. sort of fire hydrant D at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, and I was just exhausted that's at awesome, the end of the man. game. That's such a great and, feeling, though. I mean, that's the feeling you, you play yes. for right there. And I was, you know, and just like the disappointment was so, um, it was like so fair. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't remember them cheating. Yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember them. Like there was none of the like referees blew the game. Yeah. It was just a, like, we lost a game of inches. Yeah. And, uh, and I had nothing else to give. And so like there was nothing to be disappointed in myself about. Yeah. Just the like they they got us that time. But yeah. if we played them again, we might have gotten them by an inch. Dude, see that's so. when sports is magical. When you have those moments where it's like we both went as hard as we could, we played our hearts out. Like they weren't particularly a holes about it, and neither were we. Like those those are the moments that I think you you keep seeking. You know, those are the ones that keep you going back to the well with sports for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so those are those are my top two. Let's do let's do a couple more questions. Perfect. Um, yeah, we'll get out of here a little. Yeah, right around ten o'clock, maybe. All right. So this one might be pretty quick, but you're you're a fight fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, Aaron P mm-hmm. asks, how hyped should one be, if at all, for Tyson versus Jones Jr. Mm. in November? So Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So both of them are ancient. One of yep. them, I think, is Tyson's a little more ancient, yeah. but um, formerly great fighters. Uh, how hyped should one be, if at all, for this, you know, perspective? Dude, I'll, I'll frame this in the context of a <laughs> of a story that recently happened, and I think you'll appreciate this, Piper. I, I hope so, at least. So, my son Maxim is a runner, and he's a really good runner. Uh, his cross country season kind of got canceled officially, but like. Some of the kids on the team have been like getting together to train and like run 5Ks. So he had a 5K this Saturday, this last Saturday morning. And uh, we took him to it. And <clears throat> it was a 5K that like anybody could run in. So like kids, adults. And so there were a lot of like older, like old guy fitness freaks, like the kind of guys who were hitting like anti aging clinics and getting, you know, getting all jacked and Anadrol 50 and steroidal. And, um, the race happened, and one of these guys, um, <laughs> one of these guys, one of these steroidal older guys, and he was probably not that old, so like maybe mid-50s or early 50s, and, and it was cool Saturday morning. So it was like 71 degrees. It was perfect morning for running. So this guy crosses the finish line, like takes a few steps walking, and just like whips his shirt off. And, you know, he's jacked. He's pretty shredded. So... My wife and I are walking around back there, and I walk by him, and I go, you're looking pretty small, bro. Better put your shirt back on. <laughs> like, just an a-hole move by me. And it's it's indicative of how, like... Was was your wife with you when you said She that? was. And I said it what to make she, her laugh. What did she, how did she react? I feel like her reaction's important to this story. Yeah, kind of like half chuckle, half eye roll, half, like grabbing my arm with her claw, you know, like, please don't get us in another fight. You know, um, <laughs> I was just like, and I, here's the funny thing about it from a personality standpoint, again, Annie F downs podcast, like I'm not an eight on the Enneagram, so I don't seek out fights, but like, I just can't help myself from making that kind of a comment. And I've always been that way, you know, like, Whatever maturity gene certain people have that allow them to not make that comment after they have the thought, because everybody has the thought. Everybody's like, really, dude, it's 71 degrees. You just ran three miles. You got to whip your shirt off. Come on. Um, But I always say it. You know what I mean? So to me, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones is the old guy at the 5K taking his shirt off. 
and you're 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 supposed to be like, oh my gosh, Tyson looks so good. The fight itself is not going to be any good. But if you're a respecter of like boxing history, um, and if you're curious, you'll probably get it. Like I'm having a party at my house for it, hundred percent. Man, I just I'm not a I'm not a huge fight fan. Like I follow it from the perspective of just kind of it's a it's can be a big deal but uh i man i don't want to watch old guys be bad at stuff who used to be great at stuff (laughs) yeah and i and i don't want to watch old guys get hurt i know dude i know (laughs) it doesn't i I don't i feel like the moment one of them gets punched it's gonna be like oh well and i think no as far as a little insight on the boxing business they don't want to hurt each other like these are two old men like making a business deal and having a payday together. It's kind of like when Floyd Mayweather fought, uh, oh, the MMA guy, the white guy, um, McGregor. Yeah, Mayweather-McGregor was a business deal. That was just like a business decision for those two guys. Nobody was trying to hurt each other. Um, it was a turd of a fight, you know, it was, I, I feel like in a fight, if you're not trying to hurt somebody, um, yeah, it's going to be a turd of a fight. It absolutely was. And this one will be too. It's like football when you're trying not to tackle or something. Dude, let's go back to my 5k story for a minute though. Like where are you at on the whole continuum of being the kind of a-hole who would make a comment like that? Like I did. Are you with me on that or, or not so much? Um, I don't know that I would say it, uh-huh. but that's that's because over the years, as an Enneagram eight, I have learned that I need to um, I need to portion which fights I'm willing to engage in, uh-huh. because otherwise it's all of them. Yeah, and I'm not an overly aggressive person in starting things. It's more just like, well, you you know, mm-hmm. somebody else goes there. Like, all right, let's go. Yeah. But um, but I would absolutely die laughing if I was next to you when you said it. <laughs> yeah. And then if he got offended, I would 100% get your back. No disrespect to my wife. It would have been it would have been a much greater story if if like yeah, if I'd had a friend like you with me and we'd been walking around and you could have you could have given it like the 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 full on laugh treatment. That would have been ideal. But uh KK is truly my better half in every way <laughs> in that she is a better person than me and it's not even close. Yeah, it's she. She is she is God's mercy, indeed, uh, and your conscience, indeed, all at once. Yep. All right. Uh, last question. I'm going to combine two so that we can we can please two listeners Perfect. here. Uh, they they're they're very related. So Christy Yankee and then Noel Hakenen both ask about baseball rules. Okay. So Christy asked on a scale of one to ten, how horrible is the new extra innings rule in Major League Baseball? Mm-hmm. Um. And then Noel asked, is the universal DH here to stay? Mm. So obviously we have this weird shortened season. They changed the rules a little bit to try to simplify the game and to protect players in theory. Um, So how are we feeling about these rule changes, particularly the extra innings one? So for listeners who don't know, in the past, extra innings is just you just play like it's a regular game. Now they're starting with a player on second base. Yeah. So the batting team starts with a guy on second base and go from there. In theory, this is it's likely to increase run scoring, which is going to shorten the game so it doesn't drag on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, it used to be that the National League had pitchers hit and the American League had a designated hitter. Now everybody has the designated hitter, and Noel would like to know if that's sticking around. So, Ted, thoughts, feelings, opinions? Yeah, dude, I think the DH is sticking around for sure. Um, and yeah, COVID... You know this little weird moment that we'll in that we're in will be the excuse for for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what that's what we're looking at with the DH. With the other one, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. But for me, I kind of like the weirdness of the possibility of a baseball game going forever. You know what I mean? So like the yes. the way that we did extra innings before, which which was like. This could theoretically literally go forever. Like, I mean, it could go for nine hours. It could go for nine days, you know. Um, but starting a guy in second, I get it, dude. It's a nod to television and let's get the game off the air so that we can put something else on the air. I, I get it. But I, when I think they're trying to protect pitchers because yeah. if the game goes 11 innings instead of 14, that's usually like three pitchers per team that is that are not being used and when you have to play on so many back-to-back days etc yeah so the theory behind it is fine yeah. 
It's such a stupid. Role. I agree, dude. So here's a actually, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how horrible is it? Let's call ten the worst and one the best. Mm-hmm. I put this at like a solid eleven point three. Yeah, I don't like it at all. And what's more, I think I think there's too much thinking about protecting pitchers these days. Um, it's too analytical, dude. And I'm not an anti-analytics guy, but I'm like, and this has happened to the Mariners more times than I can remember. If a guy is throwing a masterpiece, don't just take him out because he's hit his pitch count. Like, let him finish the masterpiece. Because, again, more times than I can remember, we pull the original guy. We put in some crappy guy from the bullpen. He immediately gets lit up to the tune of, like, four runs in an inning, and we lose. Yeah. And I just miss the days where a pitcher could, like, put the finishing touches on a masterpiece. Or at least take it as long as he could take it. And uh, we don't see that anymore. And it's a bummer. So, so yeah, I think DH here to stay. Extra innings thing. I hope they go back to the normal way. Um, and I'm glad we agree on that. Yeah, the extra innings one needs to go. It's it, That feels like messing with the game. I agree. You know, like, the only reason to have anybody on bases, like, automatically yeah. is... It's not even automatically. Like it's when you used to play wiffle ball, which you were playing like four on four yeah. or whatever, and you needed ghost runners. Yeah, ghost. Yeah, like you, you know that that's whatever. Then we've got a guy out there in an, in an odd circumstance, yeah. but otherwise earn the victory. Um, if they're gonna do it that way, they should do it kid style and make it be a ghosty, so that they can <laughs> then spend forty five minutes arguing about how far the ghosty got. Right, you know? and and the rule with ghost runners, they can only move up as many bases as the batter does. Exactly. So like. You know, it's like forcing them around the bases. Yeah. Everything is a force play, basically. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's it 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 would never it would never work. Although it'd be really fun yeah, to would. have the announcers try to figure it out and then see the graphics that like ESPN tries to figure yeah. out with like a little shadow figure or something. Yeah. Joe Buck's I, like, well, we've got a we do have a ghosty on second, Bob. You know, <laughs> that would be Bob Costas yeah. in the World Series being like, ah, oh, we've got. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've got Jose Altuve on first and a ghost runner on third, and <laughs> got a two ghosty <laughs> situation great. here, uh, Pat. Yeah, yeah, D- double double ghosties on the base right now. Exactly. Um, exactly. I have I have very strong feelings about the DH as well, mm-hmm. which is that I'm thrilled yeah. that it's universal DH because um, there is not a single argument for having pitchers hit that makes any sense. Yeah. We just other than we've always done it this way. It's another job for another good hitter. And uh, well, I think that's, I think that's a great part yeah. of it. And as a Twins fan, we have Nelson Cruz, who can't play anywhere in the field, right. but remains one of the best hitters in baseball. Right. Jim Tomey, these guys who've been around, you know, yep. the old guys. But the other thing is, all of the arguments for having the pitcher hit are like, well, it takes more strategy. I'm like, it takes more strategy anytime you intentionally handicap yourself. Yeah. Yep. If in basketball, you're like one guy <laughs> has to play offense with no hands. Right. Right. Well, yeah, then you have to strategize around a useless player. That's what you're doing in baseball when the pitcher hits. Yeah. You are strategizing around a useless player. Yep. Instead of just putting a guy in there who can hit and everybody's having more fun except for the opposing pitcher. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're you're 100% correct, man. That's uh that's a good word for sure. Yep. Just needed to get that off my chest. So, because I'm 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 arguing with listeners who are you know Cincinnati Reds fans and have been for decades and hate that there's a universal DH or whatever. So yeah, you guys are wrong. Yep. And the DH is way better than watching Trevor Bauer try to hit. So exactly. he's good at one thing and he should do that. Absolutely. Piper, our listeners are good at lots of things ostensibly, but but one thing we know they're good at is sending good questions. These were yes. exceptional. There wasn't a weak one in the bunch, dude. Um, no, the sports questions were... I mean, we, we had some great ones for the, the two other yeah. listener question episodes, but the sports ones were just consistently strong. Not a weak spot in that lineup. Yeah. It's, like, it's like having a universal DH. Just strong hitters throughout. Full disclosure, Monday mornings can tend to suck. Um and full disclosure, again, this entire year has tended to suck. But uh, this was a bright spot, man. It's always good to to hop in the studio Monday morning and talk some sports. So shout out to our listeners, best listeners in radio. Uh, we appreciate your questions. And uh, Piper, we've we've done what we always do on this sports program and that we've wandered to and fro throughout some topics. And until next time, Jeff Hostetler. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.